piece of Deacon Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. All right, let's pray. So, of course, I don't say anything too silly. All right, good morning, Father. Please always get me out of the way that your truths would be lifted up and through the power of the Holy Spirit we would understand and obey because we love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, happy 4th of July, which is tomorrow, but it's 4th of July weekend. Yay! All right, I'm going to start in college. They start you off with a syllabus. You all know what a syllabus is? In this case, here's your syllabus for this coming week, Before, unless I forget to say it at the end of this sermon. Um, read Ephesians chapter 5 every day this week. Just read Ephesians chapter 5 once a day, every day. Hopefully like you brush your teeth, right? At least once a day, every day. Okay? Um, read Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, that's your homework assignment. All roads lead to Rome. That statement means that when it comes to Jesus, who is the creator and sustainer of the universe, as a human being, can we escape Jesus? Is he inevitable everywhere? Good. So what we're going to talk about is freedom for just a little bit, and then we're going to jump into all our times going to be in Ephesians 4. So if you have Bibles or devices, feel free to jump into Ephesians 4. That's where we're going to be spending our time. But here's a couple truths that to a majority of Americans nowadays doesn't even make sense. Blows their minds, this concept. It's called this. Freedom. Now, freedom in our country nowadays means a freedom to pursue sin and evil and sensuality and lasciviousness, whatever that word is, right? All these bad things pushing the next level of evil. And they're calling that freedom. However, freedom without the secret ingredient is individual, not community. Individual responsibility. Okay? That's that pesky part where when you get up in the morning, you are responsible to put on your own clothes, to go to your own job, to make your own money, to feed your own family, to put a roof over your own head, to make sure that you're healthy. You are individually responsible for you. That's called freedom. The moment you're no longer responsible for blowing your own nose and it's the government's job, you lose a freedom. Okay? But that's why there's... um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, I'm going to pick on teenagers for a moment. When you get to that older teenage years, you get your driver's license, right? And then after you get your driver's license, all of a sudden you need something to drive, like a car, right? But in order to have a car, what do you need to keep that car on the road? Money. So in order to get the money, what do you need to do? Get a job. And then not only do you need money to keep the car on the road, but that includes insurance, that includes car repairs, and that includes fuel. Right? So now, to get this freedom... To drive anywhere you want, you now need to get a job so you can now maintain the vehicle. 
And I'm picking on that because we've all been through that. Hey, we got our car. I gotta go to work in it, right? Well, that's not what we wanted the car for. We wanted the car to go play and tear off with our friends across the countryside and explore the world because we're free as a bird now. Remember that song, 80s people? Huh? 70s people, right? And it's like, oh no, we're not free anymore. Now we got even more responsibility than before. And now it's like, well, how am I supposed to be free if I'm responsible? They're not in contradiction, they go together. Okay, And that's the point I'm trying to make. Individual responsibility equals freedom. The moment you hand your individual responsibility to a government, you lose that freedom and become a slave to that government. Okay, it's just the way it is. So like I had to get a, we, we got a shed. We finally got the she shed. Right? I'm still waiting to get the he shed. That's going to be later on. But we got the she shed. That's Michelle's shed. Right? No gas goes in there. No lawnmowers. No chainsaws. It's the outdoor super closet is basically what it's going to be. Or the basement. Now with that she shed, we needed to get a building permit. Okay? Now all I did was throw some stone on the ground and put a wooden box in my own property. But I needed to go down to the local government and pay them money to get their permission for me to do that. That's what permit means. Permission from some third party to throw stone in a pile and throw a wooden box on it. And even then they're thinking, are you in a floodplain? Are you in a floodplain? Come out and see it. We're halfway up the mountainside. Right? Well, I don't know. That's right, you don't know. So just give us the permit, right? Bureaucracy. Now, we somehow, as Americans, gave our authority to other Americans who don't even know what we're up to, nor how to measure what we're up to, and we're paying them to do it. Hello? You lose a freedom when you do that. When you have to go get permission, can I have permission to do this? You don't have the freedom, right? Now, and that's all acceptable. There was a slide I saw, I don't want to get too far off track, but it showed when we did the Boston Tea Party, it was for like a 2% tax on tea and coffee. Now, Now you have to work up to May just to pay off your taxes before you can keep your money and pay for your own expenses because you're doling it out to the government in shovelfuls. Here, quick, come on, just let me stay in my house. Right? I'm not here to just complain about taxes, but I'm trying to show you something of why you should be sensitive to tax increases. You should be freaking out of your mind in a responsible sense to go tell that other so-called American, no, you can't have any more of my money. What are you thinking? Do you hate God in America that much? Right? Right? You should be sensitive to that. But as a Christian, you want to live as a Christian where you are. So I'm not railing on taxes anymore. Let me get to this. Earlier this year, someone said, show me from the Bible where Americans are allowed to carry firearms or whatever. Show me from the scriptures. And the big idea is this, is if we were a Christian living in England, I couldn't defend that. If we were a Christian living in Australia where they banned firearms, even your shotguns, they, were, they would tell you, 
You better give up your guns or you will get in trouble. Can you imagine that? That's like mind-blowing. Um, I know, right? <laughs> but all through the scriptures, we're commanded to live as Christians where we're at. Are any of you living in Australia? No? If you were to go on a missions trip, you know what they always used to tell us at missions trips, prepping us for the missions trip? Learn about the culture so you don't offend the locals. Right? So ladies are usually wearing long dresses depending on the culture they're going to. We're sensitive to their culture so that we can best communicate the gospel. In America, when you still have all these freedoms in the, in the amendments of the Constitution, right? Like the Second Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, those pesky things that our own politicians don't like. Hello, that's a problem. But when you have that, then this responsibility of us as individuals is there to maintain and be responsible to keep those. Not just for us, for, but for our children. So, if you have more freedom in America as a Christian, then you have more responsibility. It's required of you as a Christian living in America. And we've got to be careful not just to say, well, they didn't have it in Bible time, so let's just let them give it away. That's incredibly irresponsible as an individual to bail on your own uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's talk about this. In this country, we already have moral laws which we can enforce because the only thing a government can legislate is morality. Did you know that? Wow. Right? Is it against the law to murder or isn't it? It's against the law. Right. Of course, people have demonic ways to bring about abortion and say it's not murder, it's not a person. Right? Or is it against the law to steal? Is it against the law of steel embezzling, right? We have fancier terms for it. These laws already exist. Do we need more laws to stop a mass murderer from murdering? No. It's already against the law to murder, right? These laws already exist, have already existed. Um, and God's commanded for us as Christians. Now, this is Paul out of Romans writing while in jail, knowing that Nero was going to lop his head off. For being a Christian, Nero would take Christians, tie them to sticks, and light them up in his backyard for evening fires and gardens. Okay, This is what he says about the local government, who right now is claiming to be God. For he, the government, is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Alright? God has ordained earthly governments. There's the whole point of that. Even the one that killed Paul, Paul writes this. So there's a place for them. But it's against immorality. Now we're, now we're coming into the confusion. And we're going to be jumping into Ephesians, so be ready. When a government creates laws to prevent a sin before it happens, that's when you lose a freedom. So, because a bad guy picks up a gun and, and commits a crime, instead of going after bad guys, they go after the guns, right? So now take everybody's gun away. Is the, is the guy who's breaking the law going to stop breaking the law? Right. Matter of fact, he's going to break more laws in order to have that gun, right? 
Whenever, and matter of fact, in the Talmud, in the Jewish Bible, they have layers. So they say, don't work on the Sabbath, right? They're supposed to take the day off. So people would make extra laws saying, if you walk your donkey more than five miles, how many of you have donkeys? Okay, no one? Well, that's good. Don't break that law. If you walk your donkey more than a mile or so, you've worked, and now you're breaking the Sabbath. Now, when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand, it was in church, it was in synagogue on a, on a Saturday, which is their Sabbath, and he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And the religious leaders were all quiet, because they knew Jesus was smarter than them. And then he said to that guy, put out your hand, bing, it healed, and they got mad. You worked on the Sabbath! Oh, you bad Jesus! You worked on the Sabbath and healed that man right in front of us all. They didn't say, whoa, he healed a man right in front of us all! They said, he worked on the Sabbath. And they focused on the wrong stuff. They didn't focus on the heart and the mind. So when a government comes in and starts to manage you five steps before you've ever committed the crime, now we've got slavery. In Canada, it is against the law. Even in a private home school, you cannot, by the curriculum, teach uh, Corinthians chapter 6, which we talked about last week. The, the sexual immorality of homosexuality, you can't teach against it. Oh my God. In a home school. All right? Since 2012, it's been a hate crime to preach the Bible on that topic. A hate crime. Right? Isn't that scary? Now, in Russia, just this week, they're proposing a new law that no evangelizing outside of the church... Oh. So evangelicals protest the law, which would severely limit where and how Christians share the gospel. Now, this is in favor of the Greek Orthodox. So there is a church that the government favors, and it's the Greek Orthodox Church in Russia. And they want to stop all other proselytization going on. I know I didn't say that correctly. They want to stop it all. So, they're making laws. So, if I catch you down at the Liberty giving somebody a track or talking, inviting them to church or talking about Jesus, the, the, the police could come in and stop you. What, I hear you guys talking. You guys can talk about that R-rated movie. You can talk about that X-rated movie. But I don't want to hear you talk to him or her about Jesus. That's against the law. What do you think of that? That's going on in Russia right now. Now, here's an interesting thing. Let's go back to the 4th of July. Um, uh, The Danbury Baptist Church wrote Thomas Jefferson a letter. And they wanted to see how much wiggle room do we got here. Um, Saying, you know, are you going to let that other church be the state-favored church? And Thomas Jefferson, writing for the federal government, responded with this. This is a quote. I contemplate with sovereign reference that act of the whole American people which declare that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Now, does this look familiar? Back in the 70s, a... um, a judicial judge, Supreme Court judge, used this in a, in a totally out-of-context way, and now everybody quotes this right here, right? Mm-hmm. Separation of church and state. The whole idea is 
Thomas Jefferson was telling Danbury Baptist Church that the government will not favor one Christian denomination over another. Because in the context, the Sikhs, the Baha'i faith, the Muslims were not here yet. It was my Christian denomination against your Christian denomination. And the Danbury Church was saying, um, are you going to let the state favor that particular denomination over ours? And first of all, he says, um, the government's just not going to touch it. We're going to step back and the government's not going to favor one or the other. We're going to let you do your thing. This was the whole point of that. Now, that did not mean keeping biblical morality out of politics. All right? Matter of fact, Jefferson ends this with like a prayer. Okay? Even though he was a theist, not necessarily a Christian, but it was all about God-given freedom. Okay? So that's what this is all about. or prohibiting the free exercise thereof of religion. So why am I talking about politics at church? Aren't we talking about Jesus? Well, we're Christians in America. We're not Christians in Canada. We're not Christians in Australia, and we're not Christians in Russia. And we're not Christians in ancient Rome. So until the government says, I can't preach that morality should be in the government, I'm going to preach it. Because it should. Right? Isn't, shouldn't every single politician be um, subservient to God? Shouldn't they? they? Yes, they should. Because every creature is obligated to its creator. Period. And everyone will bow before Jesus Christ. Whether they yield before they're cast into hell or whether they yield in amazing grace. Everyone will yield to King Jesus. All right, that's just the fact. So now we're getting ready. Lock and low, we're coming to Ephesians chapter 4. How do we respond to all this? What does it look like for us to live as Christians in America? Here it is. God's plan for the local church in America, which is the same in every country. So not American exceptionalism. This is God's plan, period. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Here it is. This is why we're having church on Sunday morning. This is why it's so important to be here every time you possibly can. Because you need to be equipped for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Okay? That's why I always remind you of those pesky five the five disciplines on your bulletin, this is it. This should be your engine, your, your weekly, daily engine, right? And we're here, I would, I would call myself one of these, a teacher, to help unpack Scripture for us objectively, not my opinion, that's what it says, so that we do it. Let's take a look at this. What does that look like? To what end? It's to grow up. You and I are here for one purpose, to grow up, become responsible, become individually responsible, manage what God's given us even better. Ephesians 4, 13 and 14. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ. That's a lot. So that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Let's take a look at that. This is why I put the Bible truths up at the top. So that unity and faith, faith only comes from knowledge. You cannot have faith in Christ and not know what the Bible says. I believe what the Bible says. I just don't know what the Bible says. Then you don't believe what the Bible says because you don't have faith. So you get this faith by knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, a couple things I want to point out. This is objective. Does this say, of the knowledge of all the many religions? Of all the goody-goodies that we can all pertain out there, right? Does it say that? No. It's the knowledge, the knowledge of the Son of God. That's it. Are you pushing to know Jesus more? And to mature manhood, that is manhood meaning everybody, okay, not just the guys. Okay, to mature manhood, God's after to mature us at sanctification and to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ. Whoa, so Jesus is our, our measuring rod and it's like, how much am I being conformed to be like Jesus? And why is that? This... This should be. This is like a description of Facebook. All right, I pick on Facebook every week because I'm in it every week. This is it. That we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Yeah. Yep. We're halfway done already. What do you think? Have I overwhelmed you so far? Just doing a brain check, making sure everyone's here. No, I don't see anyone sleeping yet. Good, good. <laughs> All right, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Rather, which is the opposite of what we just heard, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him, Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Just a couple things. This is the body of Christ. That means everyone in this room, as we're all growing up and becoming responsible, we equip each other and the church becomes a more effective body of Christ. But a couple things I want to point out which goes counterculture to today, is speaking the truth in love. So if we say to a group, oh, we love and affirm you, but we don't give them the truth, are we loving them? No, No, we're hating them. Because it's the truth. The truth. Let me repeat that. The truth. Meaning there is an objective truth. It is the Word of God. It is not some smarty-pants opinion. It is not the Daily Lama. All right? It is not the, the fun, warm sayings of old people or Hallmark cards. It is the truth of the Gospel. It's the one thing, and if you think about it, it's the one thing that just freaks everybody out. Oh, they hate us for the truth. Right. It's the truth. 
What also, you know what really bugs about the truth? I just want to say this. Because it means that God is right and you or I is wrong. And I don't mean that for us, but when you're telling somebody they want to support a sin or push an evil, and you're like, God says that's evil. Well, that's not. That's hate speech. No, what's hate speech is you're calling something evil good. You're hating. Right? We need to be able to respond that acutely to someone saying that. Does that make sense? Alright. Hang in there. Don't do what the world is doing. And oh, is it so evident nowadays. Verses 17 through 19. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. All right? God's calling us out of this. But look where the attack is. The mind, the futility, the emptiness of their minds. Right? And in their darkened understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. They don't know what the Scripture says. They don't know it. So they're going to make their judgment on what TV and social media has told them to make their judgment. And that's how they're going to make their choices. And so when the next sin becomes popular and the next president says it's okay, then they're all going to go, and they're all going to run off being futile in their minds, darkened in their understanding, and of course alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and their hardness of heart. So then when you come along and say, hey, God still says that's bad, you hate her! Right? Because they hate good. They hate love. And they celebrate death. You know, if you think about the Texas law that was re- rebuked by the the Supreme Court about abortion, and women went, "Yay, yay, abortion can stay, yay, women, women." You know, half those babies who are murdered are women, but they don't see those women only themselves, right? And oh, they, the blood of the innocent splattering as they're clapping and cheering the murder and death, right? The hardness of their heart, the ignorance that is in them. They've become callous and given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They are leaning into evil, right? Right, but we don't want to be leaning into evil and chasing evil. We don't want that. Right? We want to stand back and go, I don't, I don't even want to follow this. Heads up, Christians. Verses uh, 4, 20 and 22. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Amen. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Wait a minute. Pop quiz. Where is the truth? Anyone catch it? 
The truth is in Jesus. So we've got to make sure our conversations somehow have Jesus in them. Not as a cuss word, but as the author and ruler of life. Now, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Deceitful desires. We want to run from that in ourselves. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Right? Look at this. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. God's after your brain. He wants you to know His stuff from His Bible and get it in that head of yours so that you can feel life. You can feel the renewal, see the renewal, experience it, and put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Whoa! That's why the Bible's the big part. Let's keep going. So here's your action plan. End. We're almost done. Hang in there. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Here's this pesky, you are so an American Bible. You know that? Jesus is such, he's just not following Because here he's saying, speak the truth again like there's a truth. Right? Like like your opinion doesn't matter anymore. It's almost like there's a right and there's a wrong. Right? Speak the truth with his neighbor. Oh no! But that might be uncomfortable. For we are members one of another. This is cool. Okay, here's something else. I was talking to someone this week, and he was talking about he had a lot of anger issues. And it's like, oh, that's all right, because anger is not a sin. All right? Um, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. There it is. There's your biblical theology, separation between anger and sinning. So you can be angry when you see unrighteousness and injustice happen. And you can, in anger, say to someone, you're wrong. But, that's not hate speech. You're not promoting hate when you tell somebody you are desperately wrong. You're not hating them. Don't let the world tell you that. You're loving them. And give no opportunity to the devil. Actually, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. That's where the danger happens is when we take that anger and we start to justify our own righteous cause. All right, That's where it becomes dangerous. And you know where I see this? The real danger for this, being abused, is in the church, not in the world. I think as Christians, we're way too afraid to just give someone the scripture of truth. Right? Um, but in the church, I've seen many a righteous causes happen when a member of the church, I don't like this, and they rally the troops. You don't like it? You don't like it? Let's go tell the pastor! And then, yeah, I've seen it more in church circles versus out in the world. Um, and that's where the devil loves to play, is 
Um, make sure the saints of God don't play well in the sandbox together. Um, here we go. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Here's that pesky individual responsibility. See, Jesus is after the the sinner. Because look, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him work, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Right? It's not only to take care of himself, but now you're raised up enough and responsible enough that you can even help others. How do you help others? By putting your own pants on first. Then you can go help somebody else. You know what I'm saying? That's about being responsible. Only a responsible person can help somebody else. Does that make sense? Getting tired, everybody? It's like... Stop beating me up with this responsibility thing. We're almost done. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Alright? Yeah, I'll pick on the conservative talk show guys. The conservative talk show guys are such a waste of bloated hot air because they just corrupt talk. They, they don't come up with solutions. They don't edify. They just complain and they parrot people's... They just inflame people into anger, but they don't actually give edifying talk that build people up. There's none of that, right? They just rant. And that's the conservative talk show guys that I'm railing on at the moment. So don't think I like them because I don't. I think they're a waste. But only such is good for building up building up. What can you say to someone in this room before you leave to encourage them in Jesus? Think about that. Look around. Who could you say something encouraging? Not placating, but encouraging. Okay, here we go. Um, And 30. uh, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, first, I just want to encourage you with this. The Holy Spirit indwells the Christian with you wherever you go all the time. It's indwelling you because it's part of your new life. And also, just in case you think you've sinned this week too much for God to handle, in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Sealed is what you want to take away from this. So if you came here this week on, I'm such a loser. I failed miserably. I sinned horribly. If you're in Christ, you're sealed for the day of redemption. It doesn't depend on you. Okay? I'm, I'm going to jump through to the end here. I think I've overwhelmed you. Here's, I'm going to go right to 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And that's perfect. Let me move this pulpit out of the way so we can see the communion table. Why do all this? Why listen to me show you Bible verses about how more we have to do for Jesus? This is why. 
Because Jesus, here's the gospel, by the way. Everything's because of the gospel. The gospel is the good news, that piece of information that you and I need to tell other people so they don't go to hell. Right? But that they might go to heaven if they trust in Christ. And they will go to heaven if they trust in Christ. Just as God in Christ forgave you. Remember, this symbolizes the body. This symbolizes the blood. Not yours and my blood and body. Jesus' work. Jesus' death on the cross so that you and I can be forgiven. This is why we're doing it. And I want to make sure in your hearts, when you go out this week and you heard my gum flapping and you're glad to hear me get turned off, did the information stick? And do you care? Because... Jesus saved you from hell. Jesus gave your life meaning and purpose. Jesus has a plan for you. Jesus has prepared good things for you in advance. Jesus did that. Do you care? Do you care? Let's pray. Fathers, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate your sacrifice on our behalf, your substitutionary atonement for my sin, that the boys and girls and the men and women in this room care. And that everything in their heart would just be overwhelmed with the love that you have provided to them so that your name would be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Did he really just say that? Maybe it's time to end for today. You are always welcome to email, Facebook, or tweet us with your thoughts or comments. Truth is here. 